contrasts, contrasts are an important tool for teaching. Did you know that? It's important that we're able to use contrasts as we're teaching people. I find that people are better able to understand a concept by understanding its opposite. Doesn't that make sense? Have you ever seen that before? I mean, think about that. We use contrasts every single day. I mean, kids, the opposite of up is what? Down. All right. You can listen to Miss Denise. She's just shout it out. That's fine. Yeah, just just let it rip. So the opposite of up is down, right? I mean, it's a contrast. We understand that. The opposite of black kids is white. Okay, a few of you got that one. Aiden was was all over that one. The opposite of good is all right. So we're getting somewhere. I can see you guys are engaged. You're plugged in this morning. But opposites and contrasts are very valuable to help us understand truth. And that same thing is true of spiritual truths. And we could go on and on all morning long having fun with opposites and contrasts. But there is no greater contrast than what we are going to see this morning. There is no more stark contrast than can be drawn than from what happened on June 23rd of 2018. I'm sure that many of you will... Remember that day, you'll remember what happened on June 23rd, after the wild boars had wrapped up their soccer practice for the day, an adventurous 25-year-old coach decided he would take the kids on a fun outing, and so out they went. And the coach had been to Tam Luong before, this wasn't his first time there, and he was sure that his soccer team was going to enjoy Tam Luong. And so Coach Chantawong took his 12 players, and they were all aged from 11 to 16. He gathered his 12 players, and off they went to Tam Luong. And they were going to explore for about an hour or two before calling it a day. So the soccer team left behind the daylight as they stepped into the mouth of the cave network of Tam Luong, carrying nothing but a rope and a flashlight, a couple of batteries. The coach and his team were absolutely clueless that after they had entered into the cave network and begun to explore that outside, it began to rain. And not only had it begun to rain, it was not just rain, but it was monsoon-type rain. It was really pouring outside. It was really coming down. And as these people, as these kids enjoyed themselves in the darkness of the cave, outside it continued to rain and to rain in monsoon levels. And soon... Without them even knowing it, the mouth of the cave had filled up with water. So after the teens, after the kids had explored for a little while, coach decided it was time to head out. And as they made their way back toward the entrance of the cave, they found that the water and the heavy rain had just flooded everything out and they couldn't make their way out of the cave. There was no way out. In fact, in an effort to escape, coach Chantawong decided that he would swim to see if there was any chance that they could swim to freedom. And so he took the rope and he gave one end to two of the children, three of the children, and he told them to hold on tightly. And he himself dove into the water, holding the other end of the rope. And he tried to swim his way out to see if he could make it to the surface. And he did that a couple of times and he realized there's no hope. I can't make it. You see, they had gone too far into the cave to come back out. In fact, they found that they were two and a half miles in to the cave when they were finally found. And you know that they stayed there for weeks. The science explorer tells of a man named Antoine Sinney, who in 1965 decided that he was going to participate in a very unusual science experiment. He decided that he was going to live alone in darkness in a desolate cave for months to test the effects of isolation and darkness and loneliness on the human body. 
So he went into the cave in 1965, and as part of the experiment, he stayed in touch with researchers who were at a control point who tracked his sleeping and his eating habits, and they they tracked all of the things that was going on with him, physically speaking. They were checking his memory, and they were checking his vital signs and those things. But Sinny was not given any insight about how time was passing on the outside of the cave. He was not given any insight as to what was going on on the outside, and he just remained in the darkness for months, living in a dark hole. Finally, when he emerged, his eyes were so badly damaged from being in complete darkness for so long that he had to wear protective goggles just to come out of the mouth of the cave to shelter his eyes from the bright sunlight. They found that his sense of time had been badly warped, very badly, in fact. In fact, Days before emerging from his cave on April the 5th, some of the controllers asked him what the date was, and he said it was February 4th. He had lost two months in his mind just by being in the darkness, being in the cave. In fact, researchers reported that Sinny would sleep for stretches of 30 hours at a time. And when he woke up, he thought he had just taken a quick nap. Further research done on human physiology and total isolation reveals that humans can even stretch their sleep cycles out for 48 hours, not realizing they've been asleep for more than just a few minutes. See, it was also interesting to note that Sinny turned to creatures for companionship. In fact, he turned to creatures that I'm sure that I would run away screaming from. You see, even in the complete darkness of caves, there are things that live there. And they're kind of creepy. You probably wouldn't want to meet most of them. I know that I wouldn't. But Sinny, it seems, began to spread jam on the cave floor. And he decided he would spread this jam on the cave floor so that he could attract a mouse. And he decided he was going to keep this mouse as a pet. So he put the jam on the cave floor. The mouse came out. And uh, unfortunately, as Sinny attempted to trap the mouse in a dish because of his poor eyesight and his poor aim, (laughs) He missed, and he squashed the little mouse, and the mouse died, which in my mind is the only good mouse. (laughs) But you know, Sinny, just like the children on the soccer team, had obviously taken in some artificial light with him in the cave, but just imagine for a moment if they had not taken in this artificial light. What if they hadn't taken in any light at all? Can you imagine... If those boys had gone into that cave without the rope and the flashlight and the extra batteries, what do you think it would have looked like inside of that cave? Total and complete darkness. Complete absence of light. I remember as a boy, I grew up in the Hannibal, Missouri area, and we used to go to Mark Twain's cave. And I remember going into Mark Twain's cave, and as they took you into the depths of the cave, they shut the lights off. And you literally could not see your hand in front of your own face when they turned the lights off. And that's how it would be. Total and complete darkness. Imagine sitting there on the floor of the cave, just sliding your hand along the floor, wondering what you might stick your hand into, wondering what you might touch as you're scooting along the floor of the cave, afraid to move because you can't see if there's a cavern or a hole in front of you of some sort. Can you imagine the fear that was in the hearts of those young boys as they sat in that cave for two weeks? Can you imagine what was going through their mind in the complete darkness? Can you imagine the loneliness that Senny experienced as he sat in his cave for several months? 
And I think if I'm being honest, probably after that amount of time, I might even try to make a friend of a mouse if I could find one. Can you imagine the smell of being in that cave as the human waste begins to accumulate? Wouldn't it be awful? Can you imagine how awful it would be to be in that complete darkness? Think about that. So as we've been in the book of Ephesians, Paul has been teaching us through a series of contrasts. You'll remember we said Paul introduced chapter 4 to us by saying, you see those people over there? Don't act like those people. Rather, act like this. And so he's been teaching us through a series of contrasts. And he's told us that people of our position should be people who are humble, hasn't he? He said, in contrast with the rest of the people of the world, people who know God should be humble. People who know God should be patient. We should be loving in contrast with all of those people who don't know God. You should be different than they are. We are to be people who live in unity with other members of the body of Christ in contrast to a world where every relationship relationship is broken and splintered. We're to be people who speak the truth. We're to be people who work hard. These are the things that Paul has told us as we've made our way through chapter 4. He says we're to be people who love by making great sacrifices for the object of our love in contrast to the love of this world, which we spoke about last week, which is unable to exercise any form of self-control in sexual matters and which walks around about laughing about dirty and coarse things. We're not supposed to be like those people. It says we're not supposed to do things like the rest of the world. We should be separate. We should stand out as a contrast to them. And that brings us to our scripture for today. But before we jump into our scripture for today, there's a concept that I would like to set a little bit of a context for you, if I may. In scripture, we often see the Holy Spirit contrasting the concepts of light and darkness. I want you to think about that. He contrasts light with darkness. And if you think about the complete and utter darkness of Tam Luong, there is nothing that could be more opposite than the brilliant radiating light of the sun, is there? Can you imagine anything more opposite the complete darkness of the cave with the brilliant radiance of the sun shining down on you? And in Scripture, when you see the concept of light, it typically represents a couple of things. And I want to help you understand that before we move on. And we can understand it once again by considering contrast. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in this portion of the book of Ephesians. So first of all, we will find that light in Scripture is a representation of truth in contrast with falseness. Do you see that? So in Scripture, when you see a reference to light, it is a reference to truth as it is opposed to falseness. Do you get that? So it's really important that we understand that. It's what the things that are right as opposed to the things that are wrong. That's one reference of light in Scripture. And secondly, you're going to find, kids, that light is used to represent those things that are moral and good as opposed to those things that are immoral or bad. Okay? Important for you to remember. So light is truth and light is good. Light is morality. Now, as you make your way through Scripture and as you are studying the Bible, I want you to keep that in mind. Any place that you see a reference to light, plug those two things in, and I think it will help you in your private time as you study the Word of God. As you see, light is the truth which we receive. And then the most interesting thing happens as we receive that light, the morality with which we live flows out of you having received the light of truth. Do you get this? 
Very important for you to understand. After you have received the truth, light will then manifest itself in your life and moral behavior. Kids, if light is truth and morality, then darkness would be the opposite of that, which is what? Falseness and immorality, right? So if light is truth and morality, then the opposite or the contrast would be falseness and immorality. Are you all still with me? I want you to follow along here. This is very important. So with that understanding, I'm going to take you now to our passage for today. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to take a look at verses 8 and 9. And this is what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. He says, there was a time when you were darkness. Is that true? Was there a time when you were darkness? Was there a time that you lived in darkness? Was there a time in your life where you lived in falseness, not knowing the truth? Were you as a result of that living a life where you were unable to discern the will of God for your lives and so that you had no understanding of Scripture to guide you in your decisions and what ultimately happens from that, what ultimately results from that is a life of immorality. Were any of you there? Don't raise your hands, but I can tell you that I was. And the Bible says at one point you were all in darkness. In fact, you lived exactly as the Ephesians of 4.17 did, even if you don't like to admit it. The truth is, this is what happened to them. He says, now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. How? In the futility of their minds. They are darkened, which means they are wrong, or they are false in their understanding. You have wrong understanding, and that's exactly the way you were. He says they were wrong, or they were false in their understanding. They were alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now look, due to their hardness of heart, so listen to this, as a result of their bad understanding, I want you to see what happens now in verse 19, they have become callous, and they have become, and they have given themselves up to what? sensuality, greediness, to practice every kind of impurity. Do you see here the immorality? So because of their poor understanding, because they did not have the truth, because they had a false understanding, the result ultimately, according to Ephesians 4.19, is immorality and it's bad behavior and it's behaving in a way that is wrong. So what is it that you see about darkness in this verse? Well, what you see is that people who walk in darkness have a darkened understanding, which is to say they do not know the truth. Are you still with me? They do not know the truth. And as a result, they have given themselves over to every kind of impurity. As a result, they have given themselves over to every kind of immorality. Kids, people who do not know God do not know the truth. People who do not know God do not know the truth. Those are the people who do not know God. They're the ones who don't know the truth. Listen, that's who you were. That's who I was. You lived a life of immorality just like I did. Just like the soccer team in the cave in Thailand, you were enshrouded in darkness to the point that you had absolutely no hope. You had no proper understanding. There was no way for you to get out. And just like that soccer team, just like Sinny, you may have had a little bit of artificial light. You may have had from time to time the ability to do a good or a moral thing, but even that was from a darkened understanding. See, you were completely without eternal vision 
You were completely darkened, just feeling your way along, hoping that you wouldn't fall deeper into darkness, not knowing what other things were living in the darkness among you, not knowing other things that were there in the darkness. And that's who people who don't know God are, and that's who you were, that's who I was. As I consider that, it makes me think about Coach Chatawong's attempt to get out of the cave. It makes me think about what he would have felt and how relieved he would have been if, as he was swimming through the darkness, can try and picture this, with the rope in his hand as he's swimming through the darkness, if he had come out on the other side and into the light. Can you imagine that? If, after all of the fear, after all of the darkness, he had made his way through the water, made his way through the darkness of that cave and had come out to the other side. I mean, can you picture that in your mind? Can you imagine how he would have felt? And I can imagine that as he popped his head out of the water, he would have taken in a really deep breath of fresh air and he would have said, wow, I cannot believe those dumb little kids went in there. He would have said, they are just in that cave living in complete and total darkness. They're living in their own filth, wouldn't he? He would have said, they're just feeling their way around in there. But not me. I'm so glad that I'm not in that terrible place anymore. I used to be there, but I'm not there anymore. Oh, thank God. I made my way out of the cave. And now I'm living in the light and things are great. I can't believe those guys went into the darkness and they're still in there. How heartless would that have been of that coach to have said those things after he had gotten out? Can you imagine that? Friends, it saddens my heart. When I hear people who sit basking in the truth of the Word of God, people who themselves once were in darkness, who have been rescued and saved, who now sit in our churches reveling in the light, reveling in the morality of Jesus Christ, talking about and judging those people who still live in the exact same darkened system that you were saved from. They judge and they mock, and they laugh at those people who live in the same darkness that you were once so entrenched in. How heartless is that? How careless is that? Who are you that you would condemn those people who lived in the exact same system that you were enslaved to? Who are you that you would judge them? Who are you to judge those people who are enslaved to the same darkness that Jesus Christ liberated you from? Show them the way out. Isn't that what you would have expected from the coach? Wouldn't you have expected if he had gotten out that he would show them the way out, that he would lead them to the light so that those kids too could enjoy the blessing and the privilege of people living in your position? Isn't that the right way for you to handle those people who are lost in darkness? Lead them to the light. Lead them to the Word of God. Lead them to the truth of Jesus Christ that they can enjoy the same freedom that you have. Verse 9 says, Walk as children of the light. Can you see the contrast here? Think about that. Don't act like people who are just feeling their way around. Don't act like people who are in such abject darkness that they can't find their way out and all they can see is complete blackness. Help them get out and don't act like them. Don't act like them. And now if we jump down to verse 11, this is what Paul writes. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And I want to just pause for a minute. I want to help you understand this concept, take no part. This phrase that is translated here as take no part, to me it was very, very interesting. In the original Greek language, it's actually one verb, and it's the verb sunkoinaneo. 
And it's really interesting because it means to share together with. Sun koinoneo, it means to share together with or to partner together with. Now, several weeks ago, I mentioned to you that I feel that there are just certain themes that keep coming up as we make our way through Scripture. And I feel like there is a consistency in some of the things that the Holy Spirit is presenting to us over the last couple of years. And I think this is another one of those areas where I feel like the Holy Spirit would have addressed us on several occasions because He wants to make sure that we get this and that we understand this. So I feel that God is consistently addressing our church body through this very thing. And so I want to encourage you to pay very close attention to what I'm about to say to you. I'm going to encourage you to allow yourselves to be shaped by what I'm about to say to you. Paul is telling us that you are not to partner together with people who don't know God. You are not to join together with people who live in darkness. 2 Corinthians 6.14, this is what it says. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? Can those things exist together? Light and darkness cannot be together. What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Listen, there is a huge contrast between people who know God and people who do not know God. There is a huge contrast, and they are not compatible with one another. How can someone in light partner with someone who is trapped in darkness? How can someone who is in the light partner with someone whose systems are all messed up? How can you work together with someone who is dragging along and feeling their way along the floor from one sinful mess into another? How can you partner with somebody like that? If you are yoked together with that person, you will be constantly going in opposite directions. You will never accomplish anything together. You see, it's impossible for you to mix light and darkness. It's impossible to mix those things together. And so I'm going to say it again because I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. But if you are unmarried and you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is clearly trying to tell you, do not partner together with someone who is not a believer. People who do not know God are not to partner together with people who do know God. We don't mix them together. They have no common ground together. And Paul says, not only are you to not live like them, you're not even to partner with them. You're not supposed to have any association with them. Don't live like or partner with people from our conversation from last week who show no restraint with regard to sexual matters. Don't don't partner with them. Don't live like and don't partner with people who jump from one bed into another. That's what the Bible teaches us. Don't live like and don't partner with people who are braggarts. Don't live like or partner with people who are controlled by their anger. Don't live with or partner with people who are controlled by an inability to restrain themselves. Don't live like or partner with people who are constantly practicing deceit and telling lies. Don't partner with those people. You have nothing in common with them. Those are the people who are living in the dark, and you are the exact opposite of that. People who practice those things do not know God, and I'm going to tell you, Ephesians 5, 7 tells us they are deceived if they tell you that they do. And if you believe them, you are deceived. If they practice those things, the Bible says they do not know God, and they are deceived if they believe that they do. Rather, share the word of God with them in love, that they too may be brought into the light. That's the way you handle it. And verse 12 then goes on to tell us, that it's shameful to even speak of the things that those people do in secret. Think about that for a minute. 
he says it is shameful to even think about the things that those people do in secret. Isn't that interesting? Why is it that people tend to do the most shameful things secretly? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it that the things that we do that are most shameful we want to do secretly? It's because they know that those things are shameful. That's why. They know that they're shameful. So if they have to do them in secret, why would you do them at all? Why would you want to do them at all? Isn't that a great question? I mean, isn't that logical? Doesn't that make sense? Think about that. And the answer is found in our discussion from last week. The problem is that they lack in kratea. They lack any form of self-control. They lack any form of restraint. They know that what they are doing is shameful. They know that what they are doing is wrong. So instead of restraining themselves, they conceal it. Rather than avoiding wrongdoing, they hide it. Rather than avoiding doing the things that aren't right, they conceal it and they lie about it and they cover it up. Friends, listen to me. If you have to lie about or hide the things that you are doing, you probably should not be doing them. We should not do things that we need to hide or lie about. There's a reason that you feel a sense of shame. There's a reason that you feel the need to cover it up. There's a reason that you feel that way, and I want you to know that's the Holy Spirit working in your life to provide protection for you and to keep you away from wrongdoing. That's why you feel you need to hide it. Instead, you know what the Bible says that you should do? It says that you should expose them and confess them. You should get them out. And verse 11 tells us, but when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. On July 2nd, after nine days, trapped in darkness, as one of the boys approached the water's edge, he looked at the water wondering how they were ever going to get out. As he looked down, he saw two heads pop up out of the water. You know who they were? They were divers who had come to find them. And I just wonder, can you imagine what must have been going through that little boy's mind as he saw these, the heads of these divers pop up out of the water? Can you imagine, after all of that, realizing, I've got hope. I've got hope. There is a hope for me. Can you imagine what must have been going through that that little boy's mind as he contemplated that? Finally, on July 10th, the last boys in the coach were brought to the surface of the earth, and they were wearing their special glasses to protect their light-sensitive eyes, and they were finally able to see the light again. Just an amazing story, the escape. As I was reading about it and researching it, I found that they had anesthetized the boys and they'd strapped on masks and they had tied their hands behind their backs so that if the boys happened to wake up as they were trying to swim their way out of the caves, they couldn't panic and pull the masks off. And it was just an amazing story. It took three days to evacuate all of those kids and the coach. And on the last day, on July 10th, the last one came out. And after about a week in the hospital, Every single one of them was released to go home. They had new life, didn't they? Can you imagine? Those who had once been trapped in complete darkness were free, and they were home with those people who loved them, and they were living in light. Can you imagine? They probably never wanted to close the blinds. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the joy of the parents as they saw their child's head pop out of the water, and they saw him take his first breath? Can you imagine the celebration that would have been going on in those homes? Can you imagine the parties that would have been going on in those homes? It's been just over a year now since they escaped. The soccer team, the coach, they're all safe and sound. And I wonder, do you think that 
At any point, as the boys lay in their bed at night, over the last year, nightlight probably burning in the outlet, do you ever wonder if those boys have reflected on their time that they spent in that cave? And do you think that they ever thought to themselves, you know, the darkness really wasn't that bad. The anxiety and the fear really wasn't as bad as the news reporters try to make it seem. You know, I don't recall the smell being that rancid. During the weeks they were trapped, the boys survived by sucking water off of stalactites in the darkness. And I wonder, do you think that any of those boys ever looks back to himself and says, that water was really delicious. What I wouldn't give to go back there and have just one more taste. After the incredible effort, after the incredible sacrifice, one diver even giving his life, these volunteers working to save those boys, the incredible cost. Can you imagine if they decided, you know, I think I'd like to go back and live in that cave. It wasn't that bad. And if you can imagine that, you can understand what Paul is trying to tell you in this passage. This is exactly what Paul is warning against. Paul is saying, how can people who have been rescued from the grasp of sin, how can people who have been set free from the total darkness of deceit and immorality turn and go back and want to live there again? After the incredible plan of God that He put together to rescue you, after the plan to send Jesus Christ, how can you think to yourself, you know, I don't remember the heartbreak being that bad. I don't remember the smell being that raunchy. I don't think that I really minded the filth. I really don't think that I minded my impurity. It wasn't that bad. For people who sit in the light, all you do is judge me and my impurity anyway. Does that make sense to you? Who could ever do that? How could you ever get there? Yet, friends, listen to me. As a believer, you have been freed from sin. You have been freed from the ignorance. You have been freed from the immorality of darkness. And when you deliberately return to the sins of your past, you are essentially doing that very thing. Do you get that? Kids, to return to a life of sin after being saved is ungrateful. How ungrateful would it be for those boys to say, I want to go back and live in that cave again? In chapter 6, the author of Hebrews wrote these words, It is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and who have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore themselves to repentance. Listen, the contrast is too sharp. If you are light... If you truly are light, you cannot live in darkness. If you think you can, you're deceived. If you are in Christ, you cannot live a life that honors Satan. You used to live like that. Paul says, don't live like that anymore. Don't do those things anymore. In fact, not only are you not to do those things anymore, you're not to partner with people who do. And he says, stay far away from them. Don't be tempted to think that you're going to drag them up. Do you want to know why? Because what will happen is you'll become ensnared yourself and you'll find yourself back in the darkness. Rather, verse 14 says, Awake, O sleeper. Wake up. Awaken yourselves to reality. 
You've heard the truth. Awaken yourself to reality and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Verse 14. Verse 8 says that you're children of light. Friends, if you are children of light, walk as children of light. Father, I thank you for your mercy and your goodness. I thank you that while I was a slave to darkness and sin, that you cared enough to devise a plan at the, the highest cost, that you spared no expense, that you cared so much that you gave the life of Jesus Christ to reach into the darkness and lead me into the light. Not because of anything that I have done, not because of anything that I have said, not because I'm deserving, but because of your great love for me, because of your kindness and your mercy. And Lord, for all of those here in this room today who have similar stories of having been led from the darkness into the light, I pray, God, that you would fill their hearts with humility, that you would fill their hearts with a gratefulness for the great expense that their freedom came at. Lord, that they would never turn back and long to live in the darkness ever again, but that they would run from that, keeping themselves pure to honor you, preserving themselves to bring glory to your name and to express their gratitude. Lord, I thank you for your plan of salvation. And if there is anyone in this room who has not yet made their way out of the darkness and into the light, I pray, Lord, that you would expose their impurity and their falseness for what it is. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge their hearts that through the power of your Holy Spirit, they would be led to the light of Jesus Christ where they could live forever and enjoy the blessing to be found in a life of honoring Christ. 